0: Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're
1: fact. Maybe neither team was, like, too, like, it seemed like both teams were just, like, kind of going through the paces and Mm -hmm. were doing their thing and it was, it was like a draw. But it wasn't, it wasn't very exciting. Um, yeah well neutral watcher <laughs> it was not very exciting from a,
0: a a fan of man city either um I it was funny I said to my sister before the game started we were both sitting on the couch like during pre-game and I said to her because she's a man U fan and I turned to her and I said you know this game's going to be really boring it's going to end zero zero and I'm not saying I spoke it into existence but like I kind of did match day 12 of the premier league not a little bit to talk about compared to last week at least some late drama in the Aston Villa game first of all two red cards in that game yeah just saw that and and, an extra time goal always always drama there I was disappointed in Leeds not winning just because I like to see Leeds win because I
1: think they're fun Leeds has become my surrogate team yeah yeah. I will talk more later about why Um, okay, and then the the big
0: match of the weekend that everyone was excited about, and then everyone was disappointed on uh, Man U, Man City. I too was disappointed. I was particularly disappointed. Um, but before I get into that, do you have any anything you want to say as a fan of neither team? It was
1: underwhelming, <laughs> and I actually I actually don't know if it's because of the lack of fans, I think maybe like the atmosphere was just flat to start out with. I think, actually, I know. I'm saying I think, I know this for a fact.
0: I would bet my the entire context of my bank account on the fact that if simply two changes to the starting lineup, uh, Man City would have won the game. By a lot. Phil Foden. Phil Foden. Phil Foden. And? And Torres instead of Mahrez. That's it. Oh, if starters. If that happened, oh, because... Yeah. Simply the fact that Phil Foden didn't see the game at all during this, like he didn't see the field at all. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? Is are Pep
1: you kidding me? Too? Is he trying to only play because I thought that maybe some some managers with all the games are rotating a lot, like so sure. they're changing sure, sure, Or sure, sure, is sure. he just? But he isn't subbing at all. The game last week, he didn't sub either. So Uh the question is, is he just trying to get 90 minutes out of his players and then playing? I like Rodri, I like Fernandinho, but Fernandinho's,
0: what, 34? Like, I could see you playing a double pivot against Manu, but it wasn't necessary. We were all over them in the midfield. The reason that I think Phil Foden needs to play more is because I think when he is not on the field, when they're playing the double pivot in the midfield, Kevin De Bruyne has too much to do. He has to do like the job of two people essentially the way that they work in that either that or Raheem Sterling has to has to drop inside to the middle to sort of help him out De Bruyne does a lot of things he's fantastic but he works best when there's a someone like a Phil Foden or even if it's not Phil Foden even if it's Bernardo Silva or Gundwan, whoever else either, if there's not a second attacking midfielder in there De Bruyne has way more to do and when he has more to do he still does it he's still effective but it's he's so much more free to do the things that he does best and be less frustrated about having to do all these other things when there's another attacking midfielder alongside him and Phil Foden actually compliments Kevin De Bruyne and the way that he plays really 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 well and when Foden is also on the field you then get the best out of De Bruyne. So just the fact that, A, we've seen them both play, and they've played together, and they play really well together. But the last several times Phil Foden has come into the game, he has looked phenomenal. I'm talking goals and assists, like stats alone. He comes off the bench, he scores a goal, or he has an assist. Like, the fact that he didn't even – I would have had him starting. I would have had him starting. But the fact that at 60 minutes, when it's 0-0, and City honestly was – Was fairly dominant, especially in the first half, but even in the second half as well. Like that, you're not like, hey, let's put Phil Foden in here, change some stuff up. And on the note of squad rotation, is like, okay, yeah, there's squad rotation. There's a lot of games to be played. City's playing a ton of games. I get that. City has a deep squad. You can rotate guys in and out. I totally am on board with that. Do I think Stones is is in our starting two best 11 center backs. No, obviously Laporte is going to start ahead of him. But if you're going to rotate squads and Stones played well midweek, Stones is playing again this in the Manchester game. I'm okay with that. That's fine.
1: Yeah. Well, but he didn't Mares, play badly
0: either. Marez plays every single game. He starts every single game. And I don't understand why. Because you could literally, did you watch the full game? Yeah, and he sucked. <laughs> I, I but, hate him. <laughs> but not even does he suck like not even like is he not effective it's like Luke Shaw had his number the whole game Luke Shaw was like you're yeah. my bitch like I got you you're going nowhere because he only does one thing right he cuts inside to his left that's the only thing he wants to do right yeah. and everyone knows that's the only thing he wants to do and if the defender lets him do that he's going to be successful <coughs> Burnley but if he doesn't If the defender doesn't let him do that, like Luke Shaw was not letting him do that, he's useless. He's gonna lose the ball 85% of the time. Yep. And you can see, A, Ferran Torres comes in and all of a sudden, Luke Shaw doesn't look that good anymore. And then he was running him ragged. If you had had Torres running him ragged from the first half, he'd have been exhausted by 60 minutes.
1: Yeah, that's what I saw.
0: Even if Torres hadn't broken through him in the first half, he'd have been running him so hard. Like they would have either had to sub, he'd have had a card, or- There would have been just more chances. Like There also would have been
1: more chances
0: to get the ball into the box. He's more dynamic. You don't know what he's gonna do. He could take you on the dribble. He could push it by you and run. He's gonna cut inside. He's gonna go to the end line. You don't know what he's gonna do. And it's just like, and I just don't understand where Pep is coming from with Maras. I think that there are games in which Mares can be effective when you're not playing Manu, when you're not playing Leicester, when you're not playing Chelsea, wh- like when you're not playing Liverpool, like when you're playing the Burnley <laughs> and the Sheffields and the whatever, like, you know, the bottom half of the table, if you want to play Mares then because you need to rest your other guys, like that makes sense. That's what he's there for. But why is he starting and playing 60 plus minutes every single game? And I'm talking midweek games too. Like, I just don't understand. Like, and it's so infuriating infuriating, particularly because I genuinely fully believe if Foden and Torres had started that game, City
1: would have won. I mean, yeah, I think too that like back to your point that you made about uh, Kevin De Bruyne, you could tell there was no like speed or creativity in your midfield really when he was by himself, right? Um, I felt no like driving force into the box. Most of the game, like they had the ball, but I felt like nothing was happening. And I think that's like where Foden comes in. Because he'll take the ball and just drive right into the box.
0: Yeah. And, and the other problem that's the is the type of
1: energy you need. City can't
0: finish for their life. Like City, there were four or five times when there really should have been goals. The one the one yeah. time that uh, Gabriel Jesus made a great play, drove forward, slipped it across to De Bruyne, who slipped it through to Mares. I still don't know how he slipped that ball through. Oh, there. that was and beautiful.
1: Mara's, yeah. He Mara's missed. It. <laughs> Ugh. You know and then why, it though?
0: rebounded out to, and then it rebounded out to De Bruyne, and De Bruyne hit it over. But it Do you was know a one touch Because shot he and took whatever, so but- long.
1: Because I think he wanted it on because he wanted left to foot. shoot with his left foot. Yeah. Like you were coming in from the right side. Shoot with your right foot. Oh my yeah. God. It was, he took one touch, which I think would have been okay, but then he tried to sneak another touch in. And then by that point, there was no room. Yeah. But it was like, yeah. if you had just taken it one touch with your right, it would have been a goal it, or at least yeah. a better shot than yeah. what you got. It should off. have been
0: a goal. It should have been a goal. Yeah. And there were a couple other times when, you know, Sterling should have had goals and Jesus should have had goals and he. Even De Bruyne should have had goals like
1: they just you don't they have can't finish a right finishing now. problem as Arsenal so don't complain okay, about it that's
0: true but it's in particularly frustrating because this is the most defensively solid Manchester City has looked in probably five years actually I don't want to say five years I want to give Vincent company some of, credit but in the past in the past couple seasons for sure even their two title winning seasons they were really suspect defensively yeah. but they just kept possession of the ball so much and were solid enough finishers that it didn't matter that they were suspect defensively now they look really solid defensively diaz has clearly been a phenomenal addition to the squad the best defensive signing that pep has made the entire time he's at city like and and him alongside of laporte and then even stones they look solid like i'm not scared of like making stupid mistakes on defense anymore but the guys can't finish it's it's so
1: annoying it's so annoying well your turn my turn yep all right talk about arsenal Arsenal is a big freaking mess. Um, did you watch the game?
0: Um, I watched bits and pieces of it.
1: You didn't miss it? I watched anything. the first half. I watched the first I half turned half it, it off at one play. point because I said, see ya after, uh, maybe after this, Burnley scored. Anyway, so Arsenal lost to Burnley 1 0. There was a nice red card in the middle by Shaka. I mean, what was he thinking? He literally strangled the guy. Like, there was not even, I like... I saw you a see picture. It? I mean, like... I saw a picture of it. That's proof of frustration and, like, inability to, like, stay grounded in the game. Because yeah. there was no reason... Like, Arsenal wasn't scoring, but they had all the ball. And, like, they were being... Like, they were in the offensive third. Like, they, sh- they were moving towards a goal, hypothetically. And then mm-hmm. suddenly... He has to go and do that. It's like it's it's mm-hmm. he's hot headed. He really probably doesn't have a place in our midfield. Like, get him out. Though I don't know who you put in because we don't have any players. So, that's a whole different issue. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I think that Arteta needs to screw Willian, screw Lacazette. I don't need two relatively old guys trying to run our front line. When midweek, even though we were playing like Dundalk, we had we had three young guys playing really really well in that game up front you might as well just play them in the Premier League because who cares? What do you have to
0: lose? What we do you have, you have to we're lose?
1: We're in 14th place, I think. Like, we're closer to relegation than we are to even the Europa League. So, like, honestly, like, play Willock, play Ninkatia, play Baligan, who is relatively young and relatively new. I mean, you have Sokka in there. He's 18, but he needs some movement around him. He has energy, but he's not getting anywhere. So, honestly, you're... You're in 15th, actually. Oh, no. What happened? We were only in 14th earlier. Uh, Leeds is ahead of you on points, dude. Damn it. Okay, so this is what, back to my previous point, I've adopted Leeds as my other team. Not saying, like, they're much better, but at least they're an entertaining, like, full-on, like, fun team to watch. Honestly, it's not even, like, Arsenal. It's not like Arsenal is, like, exciting and they're still losing. Like, they're flat out boring. Arteta wants to play to play out of the back. No offense to our players, but they're not good enough to play out of the back half the time and they can't. So then we just lose the ball and we have no midfield because Partey's injured and like so many other people are not good. We don't have a midfield connect the ball to our forwards. So playing out of the back doesn't work. Um, anyway, yet yeah, we're in 15th place. I honestly don't think that Arteta Like, I don't think, like, firing Arteta is the answer. Like, I'm not on that bandwagon. I'm not sure if that's there. But it's really the players, I think. I think we all thought that their mindset after the summer was, like, really going in the right direction. And they've really just – they haven't beaten anyone since they beat Man United. That's insane. Um, And they also can't score any goals. Aubameyang has scored, like, what, one goal since he signed his new contract? Like, and it was a PK. Terrible. And against Man United, it was the PK versus Man United. <laughs> um, And Lacazette can't score. So I don't know why he's playing. You might as well play Ninkatia. He's young and he can well, score. He has the most you know goals what? for Arsenal this season. That's crazy. Honestly, like, the sad thing is that our two, like, our defense is good. I actually think that our defense isn't bad. It's just, like, they get, <laughs> they get screwed over. Like, honestly, Bellerin and Tierney on the wings are both really dynamic and really good. Like, Tierney has been the bright spot of this team, I think. Mm-hmm. And they put crosses in, but no one's getting on the back of them. Like, and Aubameyang, even if you're not scoring, you should at least be moving. He's not even, like, yeah. trying to stretch back lines or even, like, trying to move within the defense. He's, like, irrelevant within the game. Anyway... So I don't know who we're we're playing Southampton or something midweek, which uh maybe not Southampton. Wednesday. No Southampton, but aren't Southampton, Southampton in like fourth place or something? Southampton's good, so I'm not expecting. Yeah, Southampton's to win out been of good. That. Um, just to uh, just to
0: discuss briefly the other games um this weekend. Can we briefly um, talk about why was Pulisic not in the team at all? I know this. I know this. Um, okay. so Pulisic. Thanks. Um, after he scored that last goal against Leeds the weekend before, and he stretched a lot for it. And he was feeling iffy about his hamstring. So they just rested him to be safe. They, he was like, doesn't sound like Lampard wants to take any risks with um, Pulisic whatsoever, especially going into um, festive fixtures. So they're just keeping him really on the safe side. It sounds like everything's kind of okay, but. Um, he's injured too
1: much I don't know if you've talked about this, this hand, but
0: he's got this hamstring problem that is concerning but I'm hoping with this time when they're being extra extra careful with him okay. that he can finally get over that hump because I do I do think that Chelsea looks a lot better with him on the
1: was it last week where he literally kicked the ball backwards in front of the goal from two feet and there was yeah. no one in front of him like he, like he tapped it in but he tapped it backwards bad. out of the goal that was he looked like the every time he does
0: that. My fantasy team cries cries.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um, um, one last thing I want to say about the premier league game week. Um, Liverpool need to watch out. Fulham really outplayed them. They were really yeah. lucky to get away with a point in that game. And I think it, it brought up some, I had actually a really interesting conversation um, with my Liverpool fan friend about VAR. Sort of sparked from that. Um, and I know everyone has lots of opinions on VAR And There's a lot to be said, but that it all sort of boils down to what what the purpose of VAR is, right? And I think the Premier League has a unique issue for VAR because I don't see the same kind of controversy almost every single week um, in the Bundesliga or in La Liga either. Like they both have VAR, they both use VAR and it seems to be fine in both of those. Like there's a controversial call like every now and then, but there's always controversial calls. There was controversial calls every now and then when there wasn't VAR. So I don't think that that's a, a controversial call is not a product of VAR, but the... The volume of controversial calls, game-changing controversial calls, I think, are huge. I mean, you can we can argue about it all day about whether the in the first half Fulham earned a PK. I think they did. I had a whole argument about it. But here's the thing: from one angle on the video, it looks like he hits. He maybe hits the ball. From the other, it looks like he definitely doesn't hit the ball. So if you have two angles that are you telling you two different things, then where what do you do? What's the point of VAR? Right? Is supposed to be for things that are clear and obvious.
1: Well, I think the my problem other is, is that like it becomes it, it begins to nitpick too much into things, mm-hmm. right? Like that the ref can't see. Like, so that, I like, think they that, can't see themselves. Almost. I think
0: the issue. I think the issue in the Premier League is that referees are not calling anything on the field because they're assuming VAR is going to catch stuff. But the problem is, if it's not called on the field, and it's controversial, it's not going to get called through VAR. So they need to stop being like, well, I'm not going to call it on the field, because if it's a foul, then VAR will catch it. If you think it's a foul, call it on the field. You know what I mean? Like, Cause then if it's not, it'll get overturned by VAR. but it should only be overturned if it's clear and obvious, right? Like that's what's yeah. supposed to be the rule, but there's a whole this time when it's not clear and obvious and don't even get me started on offsides. I think offsides should go. I think it's the Dutch league that does the line things. Where yeah, in it's, it's the Dutch league, if the lines that you draw, if they touch, then it, then whatever the call on the field was stands. Yeah. And that seems that makes so much sense to me, because if the lines are touching, then any offsides or not offsides thing is so minuscule that it didn't actually impact the play.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's negligible. I also think that like so many like I'm not saying like go look at the NFL for like how to do replay, but they do it in the NFL, they call it. And then what they do is they'll look at it and they can either say a call stands, which means that there's no conclusive evidence that it should be overturned or they confirm the call. Yeah. Right. And I think that like, it, there or needs they to be something like that.
0: Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. I there think there's a bit, a there's bit a way more of a system. It's, it's almost about the language about it, right? It's like, and, and I think I also have a problem with um, the linesmen not raising their flags for offsides. Um, because agree. if if it's I get it if it's super close you're not sure you don't raise your flag you let it go that's fine but they don't raise their flags even when it's really blatant and I don't like that because what if somebody gets hurt then defenders have to keep playing and a defender tackles a guy that guy gets hurt but he was five yards off sides and the linesman
1: didn't raise his flag yeah I think that when it's obvious like when it's so clear like it's very clear like well so what happens it, right but if, if you is, can't tell them maybe you don't but I right. think that like, I agree. You got a full body offsides, oh like, God, So what's
0: happening, what's happening is, right, is they see that it's blatantly offsides, but they let, and then when the play ends, they raise their flag, Yeah. right? That's what's happening right now. But it's like, okay, so you didn't need to go to VAR to check if it was offsides. You knew it was offsides. Why did the play continue? Yeah, exactly. Like it's wasting, it, it's also wasting time. Yeah, I didn't want to think about that, but yeah. I think I think the Premier League has really messed up how they use VAR. They need to figure something out. I don't know hundred percent what the solution is, but they have problems where the other the other leagues don't seem to. So they need to sort something out.
1: Do we wanna I wanna talk very quickly about the WSL? Um, honestly. Well, really just the uh, the Man City Arsenal game, though. I was just looking at the scores. Nothing really happened. Alex Morgan scored in the Tottenham game. Chelsea and Man United both won. Man City-Arsenal, I could talk for years about this game. Man City won. I'm aware. Sammy Mewis. Uh, and then I think it was Caroline nice Weir, right, in the in extra time. That was such a nice goal. Phenomenal I couldn't goal. even hate it that much. But It was, I was a like, phenomenal finish. I was just like, oh, man. because So here's my thing. I could talk for a really long time about Arsenal, but I won't they were playing a 4-5-1, isolating Minima up top as the one. Okay, she scored a really nice goal in like the first three minutes, but isolating her up top makes it almost impossible for her to get the ball. She had to track Mm -hmm. so far back to get the ball. She would start plays and then no one else was up there like in the box. In other games, they really relied on like Katie McCabe going up the side and crossing and stuff. But the problem is, is that she wasn't even getting up because they had so many people in the midfield running the wings. They had Beth Mead and I forget who was on the other side now, but they were clogging up space, which I think sh- they should have left open for certain players to have more room. I also mm-hmm. think that like, their mid- like I'm not really sure why VanderDank doesn't start. I think she gives a little bit more pace through the middle and some like nicer ball movement. Um, it just seems very disconnected between the the midfield and like Minima up top. Like, I think they should have some more people supporting her instead of just like leaving her up there. Anyway. Two other
0: two other quick things I want to, not that quick. Well, actually one of them is pretty quick. Um, Dortmund? Dortmund fire their coach. Um, I am, I'm not mad about the decision. I'm pleased that the management at Dortmund was able to recognize um that there was a despite the fact that they are largely doing all right I mean this week's result aside um yeah. that they are largely doing all right and getting results that there's a deeper issue there there's clearly some defensive issues they really rely on Holland uh, to score goals which is fair because he's a machine but they need <laughs> to be able to <laughs> operate without him it, huh? So I'm I'm pleased that the management at Dortmund was able to recognize that there was a problem and sort of sort out try or sort of begin to make the steps uh to sort out that issue. Um obviously the five-one loss was horrific, but Gio Reyna's goal
1: sure was, was beautiful.
0: Pretty-
1: <laughs> I'm like, I like honestly, like if they had to lose like that, like at least he was the one to score like a beautiful goal. It was a
0: beautiful
1: I, goal. The, 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 a beautiful- the first touch is insane the kick into the goal is even crazier like it's it's a blown. beautiful <laughs> mind blown but uh
0: it's overshadowed by how embarrassing they uh, have no Durman's organization at the back
1: their organization organization and structure of their back line or whatever was just like we'll see how it goes i'm not
0: i'm not like pessimistic but i'm not I getting think my hopes I think up be. that there's going to be a huge change but yeah we'll see what happens um on the other hand Barca pulled it off yesterday. Barely. Um, just barely. barely. <laughs> Although I w- I will say this about this game. Um, it was the best I've seen Messi play in a while. Um, Messi yeah. has looked just uninterested for most of this year. It's like he just doesn't, he just he doesn't didn't care. He, he mm-hmm. didn't care enough to be dynamic, right? Like he just looked uninterested. Uh, he looked interested yesterday, um, which is the first I've seen in a while. Frankie had a phenomenal game he always plays well he but a, he looked yeah. so good yesterday so good do you what know why I, he played I almost didn't wish he, didn't he he played more farther up the field so he connected he did he, he did yeah. yeah he was playing farther up the field um i will say though my dad and i were discussing before the game that we almost hoped that barca was gonna lose uh if that was what it took to fire Coleman. Because I find it really astounding that the management at Dortmund can recognize that they have a larger issue despite the result um, that they're getting and do something about it. While the management at Barca can watch their team stink it up week in and week out, not even finish first in their Champions League group. And they're what, 10 points off the lead, maybe more, like 14? I don't know. They're not, they have games in hand, but like, it's not looking cute um in the in La Liga and that their management doesn't see a larger issue and we were talking about this earlier the the Ricky Puig situation and the rumors going around that it's uh it's sort of a an internal personal issue between him and Coleman because he allegedly rumor has it leaked the news of them trying to put him out on loan um here's my issue with that right even if that's all true, even if Ricky leaked the, the that he they were trying to push him out, right? Even if he did that. And like, all we have that he did that is rumor, right? Like, but even if he did, he is so clearly belongs in the starting 11. And if, if Coleman is trying to punish him for acting immaturely, then at the detriment of not just Ricky, but the entire club, then who's really acting immature here? That like, I'm just out here like, okay. So this 21 year old kid maybe got pissed off and like maybe leaked it or maybe his agent did or maybe he told his buddy and his buddy did or maybe he told his girlfriend and his girlfriend did. Like who knows, like who knows? Maybe he didn't do it at all. Like, but even if he did like to punish not only Ricky but an entire squad and the entire club and the entire fan base and everybody because you have beef with this 21 year old kid like are you kidding me like how old are you that just that kind of stuff just seems silly to me it's like if you're gonna be a coach it's not about your ego right it's not about whether this kid likes you right like whatever you need to just go, he's the best guy for, there's nobody, he's the best guy for the position. There is a noticeable difference in the quality of Barcelona's play when he is on the field, a noticeable difference. And it's like, if this is really all over some petty beef about him maybe leaking something, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I might not be like an immediate comb and firing bandwagon person. I'm not sure why. Um, I think his personality- I'm not saying like he needs- like, I'm not saying that he's been doing a good job, and I think the thing with Ricky Freak is like is not good. I guess also though it's been what three months. I guess I'm so i not my like, issue. ready. I'm not ready for it to happen, and I don't know. I think there's uh, so many problems at the club. I mean, maybe he. I. I
0: I don't so know I don't
1: think he's going to get, he's going to be like going to be staying for very long. That so
0: I don't think that they're going to fire him before they elect a new president, um, yeah. which happens what in March. So I don't Sometime think that he's going to get, I don't think he's going to get fired before then, but I do think that he's a big part of the problem because I think a big part of their problem is team selection. Um, and the guys that are playing on the field just are the wrong guys.
1: But if you're back to what we talked about last week, if you're going to do the young guys, you've got to do it for everyone. It comes back yeah. to the Busquets thing. You just have to yeah. clear shop. You, yeah. you kick out Busquets, kick out Jordi Alba, kick out, I mean, Braithwaite, obviously, but you kick out Griezmann, you kick out Coutinho, you kick out Messi, and then you just play all the young guys and are basically through it yeah. We're changing the team. The problem is I think Coleman would do it, but I don't think he wants to. Like, I don't think he wants the backlash that could, that could come from that. Like, well, I mean, that comes back to a whole thing. I mean, with the past coaches, right? Is is that yeah? How do you manage Messi as a player? Because it comes down to he's messy. he's the best. He's he's messy, and I'm not saying like say he's arguably bad.
0: the greatest player of all time. Yeah, like, how he's, do you manage? Him? Like,
1: how do you manage him? Because if you don't do as what like what he wants, he's gonna get pissed. And when that happens, you're right. People follow him. But the question is, is you have to be able to manage him because you
0: have he- to be able to and i think that like it's been clear that you have to be able to manage him and i think that the the upper management pissed him off so much this summer clearly the barcelona problem is a behind closed doors problem right like like it's a personality issue between the lock in the locker room and it's a management issue with the board that doesn't exist right now.
1: Right. Well, I like, still think it comes back to that team that Pep managed was so good because all those players, well not all of them, but so many of them grew up in Barcelona. And they were all ingrained to have the same mindset. Which is why I thought that Coleman actually might be have been a good coach because he played for Barcelona. But it's not clicking. Um, but I think that once they started bringing in people like age 25 to 26, that's when things kind of went downhill for them.
0: I agree because it's like, they're not thinking long-term and it's like, okay, you're worried about this season when you should be worried about how, if you want to get a team like that pep team or even the uh, Luis Enrique team or early couple years of under him. Yeah, If you want to get a team like that, you can't just bring in the, you know, the 26 year old who's in his prime in the premier league or wherever else you need to be building your guys from, you need to get guys at 1920 and build them, make them buy into your philosophy. Like that's why those teams were so good. And they just don't do that anymore. But the thing is they've got the guys to do that, right? Like we've got this whole group of guys that came out of Lamazia that buy into the culture that are Barca guys
1: through and through you just gotta do it yeah I don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens at Barca honestly like well I've said this I don't really care if Messi stays but I also I don't, don't think that their solution is to try and hold on to what happened like past years I think that for as long as they try and do that to try and please these players they are never gonna actually succeed so honestly yeah. they they need to clean ship just and also just do it we're going to we'll suck i don't care i'll take some sucky ass years i'll take 2 years and of I sucking i feel like if i feel like we're good if we're moving like this is just too much of an in between right they're the, they trying to balance this
0: but here's the thing though if you got rid of all those guys we mentioned earlier and you played the rickies and the elenias and the you know Trincao and pedri and all those guys and you play those guys they're not going to suck
1: no they're not going to win not. a treble
0: they're not going to win a treble, but they might win La Liga. Like, I mean, they're not not going to.
1: They're not. They're not, not going like, to suck. They're going to qualify
0: for the championship. I mean, League. I think like,
1: I think the most interesting thing that Dortmund should have proven to Europe is is that you can play your young guys and have great success. Now Dortmund yeah. is an entity in and of itself when you think about young guys. I think Ajax did the same thing those couple of years ago before mm-hmm. De Jong and De Ligt left, where like they were this amazing team, all having come up basically from their academy. So you can, you see that it works and Barcelona did it too. I mean, that's the crazy thing too, right? They've almost lost their philosophy. Like it was their philosophy to build out of La Masia. Like that's what they did. That's what they did versus Real Madrid who went and bought like Ronaldo and Beckham and whoever else, right? Like that was the clear difference between the two. But I think that Neymar leaving was the catalyst for not only like the entire transfer market of Europe to, Royally be screwed, but also for Barcelona to be like, oh no, and run away from what they were used to.
0: Damn it, Neymar ruining everything. Um, Sevilla Dortmund will be interesting. Sevilla Dortmund like, will be will definitely be interesting. I, I think Sevilla is always dangerous. Um, Champions League draw, people. Actually, honestly, I feel pretty happy about it. Like, I don't
1: have this any, is
0: um one of the least anything. controversial draws that I've round of sixteen draws that we've seen in a few years. I feel like there's always one or two matches where there's somebody that won their group that just had no. Or I think it just stems from the way the groups
1: were set up in the group okay, stage. The groups weren't bad. There was no imbalanced group that was full of teams Oops, that so you were like ships belong. It just usually there were like three or four.
0: There were like a group where four of the team, all four of the teams were like at the, on the lucky year, they might finish second in their group. Like, but you're getting two of them into the next round and one's in the first place. And sometimes you even had two groups like that. So you'd get these teams that really shouldn't be first seeded and you'd get, you know, you'd get your team that, how are these two guys even in the champions league? And now they're playing each other and they're on the 16. What? All right. You said you'd gone through and picked who you think is going to win. In each well, of these I didn't. I didn't.
1: Everyone. I, I. just wrote. Um, I had like a should advance. Like I was feeling pretty confident about these teams going through. Obviously, anything can happen. Um, I had said City would win, Bayern would win, and Juventus would win. I think those are like mm-hmm. the clear and obvious ones where there's like.
0: there's a there's a clear and favorite.
1: Who is supposed to win? Um, but honestly, like Atletico Chelsea, that's going to be a fun game. Um, with I Chelsea's think- attacking and like Atletico's defense. Leipzig, I think Liverpool that outside
0: is I think play. that outside of those ones that you named, there's a few where there's a favorite but not a clear and clear and above favorite. I think that would be the Liverpool Leipzig. I mean, I think Liverpool's the favorite there, but Leipzig have just been too good this year for them for to call it like the odds are way in Liverpool's favor. I think that Leipzig have just been too good and with the with the injury issues that Liverpool has had, um.
1: I think Leipzig that levels likes that playing to, field out of it. Leipzig likes to go at teams too. like they went at Bayern when they played Bayern um, in the Bundesliga. so they're not going to hold anything back against Liverpool, which I think with Liverpool's injuries and in defense, I think it'll be really interesting to see.
0: PSG Barça could be hilariously bad because oh, I both cannot wait to shit on all of them. Both of these teams have been such a mess this year. So inconsistent. What is going on? Um, But anyway, I think that that could be an interesting one because they're both so so like all over the place. So I think how that goes really depends on which version of both teams shows up. How long will we back by then? So I do think that it'll be more even. And I think that with, it also gives time between now and then for Dortmund to adjust to their new manager, Um, all of which could go very well atalanta real Uh, i think that's gonna be such a good game fingers (laughs) crossed for atalanta Atalanta
1: has been has been able to go at bigger teams in the League before and has not like Mm -hmm. bent to them and i just think that like real you just don't know who you're gonna get
0: yeah chelsea atletico i think has a lot of potential to be the most exciting game in this set of fixtures i think that just because of the way both those teams play could be a really, really entertaining game. I think it's
1: going to be kind of like when Atletico played Liverpool. Um, that was such a fun game to watch. And I, yeah. I feel like this will be relatively similar. Hopefully Pulisic is healthy. We still have a lot of other guys. There's three
0: other guys. Yeah, I was going to say that we've got a bunch. We've Des, no, there's more than that, bro. Des, we've Reina, got Destin Conrad. Destin Conrad at Barca. Conrad. Reina. Tyler Adams at Leipzig. Tyler Adams. McKenny. Raina, Raina, McKenny, and Pulisic. That's six Americans in the round of sixteen. Oh, Zach um, Stefan, you
1: forgot. You forgot your own well, guy. Well, Zach,
0: yeah, I forgot my own guy. Zach Stefan. That's seven <laughs> Americans. Plays. Seven Americans. Well, I mean, you got two guys who may or may not play, right? Zach Stefan probably. But won't the play. other ones are starters, um, And Conrad probably won't play, but you never know. You never I'd know. Put with him this in. Team.
1: Okay, but he's another one I'd put in on Barca. I, I agree, well. but I don't
0: know. Um but uh Tyler Adams, even if he's not starting games, generally does see the field. And Weston McKinney has really, really made off. an impact at Juve. He's he's I think he's cemented his place in that squad now. He's literally really, see really, his, really, really he had good. an
1: assist over the weekend.
0: I did. I did to Dabala. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.